Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. No days off! No days off! No days off! No days off! This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest bump! <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal! 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 Oh, Mr. WEEI.com. Off day podcast. This is the cornerback edition of our little draft preview here. We have Chris Schein back to discuss the cornerback, which I think could potentially be a spot where the Patriots look at number 15 if things shake out the, the way that it could for them, because that's a area that you could have some guys sliding down to number 15 if some of these offensive players go in the top 10. Um, so let's get, before we get into the Patriots relating to this, what are your takeaways at this position as a whole? Uh, I think it's a good, strong position. I mean, I was looking at some mock drafts and like top three, top, you know, top 100 prospects. There's a lot of cornerbacks that are going to come off the board um, in the first yep. couple rounds. I'm talking about dozens in the top 100 or 96 picks, whatever you want to do it. Um, certainly a number could go in the first 15 picks. By the time the Patriots pick, they might be picking, you know, for the third best corner, uh, depending on how things shake out. So it's an interesting position. It's an interesting need because I think, I mean, quarterback wide receiver, are the two obvious sexy needs for this team. And then if you get past that or they can't get those, whatever, then the next two needs for me, the way I look at it are the year too early needs and it's cornerback and offensive line where both the tackle positions and the cornerback positions a year from now, you could say, wait a minute, we went from having really good talent there to uh, we got a couple spots we need to fill somehow. So like a year away from now, cornerback could be a major need. Absolutely. I completely agree. They And this is something that can be addressed now. Like you said, there's so many good possible talent picks here that you can get later in the draft too, uh, that this is an opportunity for the Patriots to uh, attack a need that they will have uh, before they even have it. Yeah. And then – 
I was just like, I don't want to go too in depth on like the Patriots players, but like Gilmore and JC Jackson, like JC Jackson got the second round tender last week. Gilmore is still under contract, but for $7 million. And so who really knows what that will turn out to be there. So this could be a case where maybe if they do draft a guy at number 15, that could be a sign that one of those two players isn't going to be around this year, maybe. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I was looking at it as a year from now, but you're right. There's no certainty that it won't be a month from now, two months from now, where you say, oh, they dealt off Gilmore in a trade. Everybody's been dreaming you trade Gilmore to move up to get a quarterback. Let's just say, okay, let's play along with play radio, say that happens. And Rappaport kind of insinuated that J.C. Jackson could still be traded. I so, did you? He kept comparing to Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler wasn't, wasn't traded with this. Like, no. Did he misspeak? And, or well, I think, think the Patriots like floated it out there and it didn't actually happen? Malcolm Butler, I do believe, came close to being traded to the Saints when he was a restricted free agent. He made a visit. Um, I, I think there was a lot of smoke in that area for that fire, and I think that's what he's thinking. I don't know if he's thinking exactly, but so I do think that could happen. I mean, I think it would be a real long shot for both of them to be traded because then all of a sudden, not only are you looking for a number one corner, you're still looking for a number two corner after, yeah. even if you take somebody at 15 overall. Mm-hmm. So maybe one could be gone. I, I would really doubt both would be gone this year now. And it seems like everybody is getting more um, appetite for the idea that they could give Gilmore a contract and maybe find something there, even though he has said nothing like that. He said, yeah, I'd love to resign there. He didn't say for nothing or for like a team-friendly deal. Exactly. Yeah. If you give me $35 million over the next two years, I'll resign there. Otherwise, <laughs> go bleep yourself. I'm not playing. All right. You guys can bring them down. Uh, I think this these, this class should have, like, the nickname of, like, this is the year of the seconds in junior. It seems like every single top cornerback had a pedigree class that had a successful NFL career. Well, literally, on my sheet, my ranking, one, two, three, four of the top five corners – had fathers that played in the NFL. Yep. Like they're either junior. So you got Patrick Sertan the second, Asante Samuel Jr., JC Horn. Obviously, his dad was the wide receiver, best known for the uh the cell phone celebration by the uh the upright. And then one that snuck up on me, knew nothing about Elijah Molden out of Washington, whose dad, the well-known Alex, was the uh, 11th overall pick in the 1996 NFL draft. And if we want to include brothers, there's a player on this list whose brother was a freak show at the Combine just a few years ago. Yep. And was with the Patriots in yes. Obi Melanwanfus or whatever the hell is. Melanwanfu. Melanwanfu, Fon you, who I don't know. He never <laughs> did anything. He was an athlete, not a football player. Um so, okay, let's start with the top of the class. Uh, yeah. I think it's universally accepted that Patrick Sertan is the number one cornerback and is going to come off the board right around the 10th pick, plus or minus a couple picks in there and quarterbacks and how everything play out. I really like him. I, do too. I think he's good. I don't know that he's elite physically in skills in terms mm-hmm. of the total package, and it wouldn't stun me if he made the transition to safety at some point in his career, 6'2", 208. I think he's got some Devin McCourty, the traditional cornerback to safety potential. Now, I don't know if that's early in his career or it's later in his career, like Woodson and some of those other guys that made that. I just don't think he's super quick. He's fast enough. He is smooth. He's got that, I used to call Darrell Revis, the Cadillac cover corner, because it always looks smooth, like wasn't herky-jerky, didn't need to be. He knew what he was doing. He was – 
I just don't like, there's a little bit of me that has the quick, like AB, for example, AB is a bad matchup for most people, but I think a player like AB would give Patrick Sertan problems as your number one corner. Hmm. I see. I, I tend to disagree about the, Oh, we got an argument. Yeah. Let's do I it. don't like, I don't see him to me. His, his oh, ball hawking out. instincts are not what? I don't know. You said you didn't see, so I said, okay. Oh, <laughs> his ball hawking instincts just aren't there for me to make for him to make that type of transition, right? Like I see him, he feels like a very patriot corner to me. Whereas he's not looking for the turnover. He's not gonna take that risk most of the time. Instead, he's just gonna play his coverage and play for the bat down, play for the tackle. He's a very good tackler. He's not afraid of physicality in that respect. I do understand what you mean though. I don't see any blazing speed with him by any means, but at the same time, he's quick and he seems to know a lot of the routes the receivers are going to run ahead of time, right? Like he can read it. He's very intelligent. And I think that shows in the way he plays. So like, ultimately I don't think that's going to make him the best safety in the world. But then again, like I understand the Devin McCourty reference. I just, I don't think he is going to be around the ball enough to make that transition to safety. Okay. So just remember where you heard it first. Because in a couple of years, he's either like a, you know, four-time Pro Bowl cornerback, and you'll mock yep. me for saying he was going to safety, or he could be a Pro Bowl safety, and you're like, hey, where did I hear that? Oh, there was, it was on a podcast. Andy Hart. Andy Hart. Um, I also, like, the way you described him, I kind of agree with. In It scares me a little bit because, A, um, Alabama's history at the cornerback and defensive back position has not been great. There's been it's ups and downs. very hit or miss and a yes. lot of miss. And – you kind of described Logan Ryan to me when you just described Ooh, okay. the way Patrick, which look, no shame in that good cornerback. Yep. Who was a third round pick. He's who, a starting NFL corner, right? Yes. I mean, I think he led the league in picks one year or was right there. Great yep. tackler. Bill used to always talk about how he's always going to make the tackle. Like he's, yep. he's never going to give up the big play. And he always, Bill actually phrased it. And I remember mocking him for this, you know, there, there are some corners that are going to create interceptions and get their hands on the football. And there, there's a place for that. And then there's other corners who are just going to have good coverage and tackle the guy. And I was like, wait, we're allowing completions now. And we're happy when we just allow completions and tackle them. I thought the idea was to stop the completion. Um, but so I'm interested to see where he is. Cause I think he is smooth, trustworthy. Yep. Like what? Okay. So the, we got to get into our draft lingo. High floor, high yes. floor, lower ceiling. Yes, but I'm not agreed. sure his ceiling is through the roof. Agreed. That's like I don't think he's he doesn't have that Darrell Revis ceiling. Nope. But like he has a floor of a like Logan Ryan, right? Where he's going to start for your team. You yes. might bounce around a couple times, but he's going to be a start a legitimate starting NFL corner. And I don't think he'll ever be a defensive player of the year, for example. That agreed. type of player. Okay. Yep. So we're agreed. So we came back yes. around on that. Okay. Next on my list. Um, is, is an interesting guy. Uh, like, I like J.C. Horn. It's funny. We talk about Stephon Gilmore, another Gamecock quarterback, another J.C. After we talked about J.C. Jackson, different spelling would be confusing if they were on the same team. Um, he, to me, has more boom or bust yes. talent. He, like, his floor is a lot lower, but his ceiling is exponentially higher. And I actually think that's how a lot of the modern corners are. Like, you mm-hmm. think of – Marcus Peters and Jalen Ramsey and these guys that are super cocky, super playmakers, super aggressive. And sometimes they have some piss poor games, stretches, and get and you're like, 
I'm paying this guy $15 million a year. And then a month later, you could be like, damn right, I'm paying this guy $15 million a year because he's worth it. Exactly. Um, I think J.C. Horn is really in that. I mean, good size, yep. good speed. And I just think he truly is the cock of the walk from South Carolina. Like, he believes yes. – He's the best dude, damn dude on the field at all times. He he is uh, he is very fast, and I love that he can play in the slot. He can play outside. He's bounced around a little bit, so he has that versatility that a lot of NFL teams are going to want. Um, the only the only issue I see with him is he does get a bit grabby mid route sometimes, right? I see. So there could be a lot of defensive holding calls in his future that he needs to be aware of. Um, outside of that, though, like this guy is he is he I, like. Caleb Farley originally coming to this draft is going to be like the number two corner for a lot of people. But I I think in my mind, JC Horn should be the number two guy. I just think he has a higher overall ceiling. I think he's a better athlete. Uh, He is so sticky in coverage. Uh, He only allowed eight catches on 24 targets in seven games this year, Uh, which are, uh, and granted like at the college level, you're not going to attack the number one corner a lot of the time, but when they did, they weren't very successful. Right. So ultimately, I really like J.C. Horn. I think the size, the length, uh, the build is good. I think he has a lot of potential. Again, I think the floor is a little low, but the ceiling is high. Yeah, it won't surprise me if he ends up being the best corner in this draft. I agree. Agreed. I think he's the number two guy because I think the the certainty of Patrick. Here you're going. See what I did there <laughs> um, is just too much to pass up. But if you're swinging for the fences. I think J.C. Horn's the guy. Caleb Farley's interesting because he has great size. Um, He also has a back injury. He had back surgery not too long ago. I know our pal, Mike Giardi, actually talked to him about it recently. A microdisectomy. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Listen. It's supposed to be very, like, non-invasive, but even still, like, getting surgery right before the draft, like, that scares me. But you're 20-something, you're 20 years old, you're getting back surgery, that's not good. And look at Gronk. Like, mm-hmm. did it hit, did it keep him from having a great career? No. Was it an issue? Yes. Yep. And I just think it's something you really have to have a lot of comfort with. I don't know how that changes, by the way, with the medical rechecks in Indy versus having your own doctor have extensive time with him. That could be that could hurt him. And it, like, it may not be his fault, and it may actually work out fine. But the the way this year is structured with no combine and everything that could hurt him with teams not being able to maybe get quite as comfortable with the back and the medicals as they normally would. Cause he has um, a lot to like physically um, when you, when you look at, you know, six foot two, 200 pounds athletic. Now he didn't run a 40. He didn't run anything at his pro day because of the back surgery. So I think mm-hmm. there's another, you add layers of questions. And I always say this, the more things I say, well, I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. The further I push you down the draft board, even Agreed. though there may be other things I really like, I just – the closer I am to the top of the draft, the more certainty I should have um, with my pick. So next in line by, – by the way, we got a guy coming. I'm very excited with a nugget. Very Ooh, excited. I can't wait for that. We're a couple, we're a couple away. But I did want to talk about uh, Asante Samuel Jr., which is mm-hmm. in that – is he going to be the fourth corner, fifth corner type range? Um, obviously Patriots fans, actually, I shouldn't say, obviously, maybe they don't fondly remember Asante Samuel. Cause he goes down the West Welker road of, yeah, you were a great player, but you didn't make one catch. You missed so that one you. catch. Well, um, he's even still taking shots at the Patriots and Belichick in, in the last couple of years too. 
he occasionally does. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's a confident, cocky. He's an interesting character. Now, I think a lot of corners are like that, though, right? Like, it makes you a good corner to be like that. Uh, you have to be. I mean, you have to. have to be. That that's the personality you need to have um, to play the position. Now, I don't Great. think Asante Samuel Jr. is as cocky as Asante Samuel Sr. was. Great. But I did read some things like he really wants to, even though his name is what it is, he really wants to make a name for himself. He doesn't want to be Asante Samuel's son. He mm-hmm. wants to be himself. And I certainly think he has that type of potential. Now, he's smaller. He's built like his dad, kind of raily, thin, not all that thick, um, yep. 5'10", 180. Um, I think he's going to be a good cornerback. I, I don't think he's a first-round talent. I don't think nope. he's a truly elite prospect. I could see Bill taking a shot at a guy like this late in the second, early in the third, if he happens to sneak in there or something, just because he tackles very well, right? I think he actually reminds me a lot of Malcolm Butler in the fact that he's a little undersized, but he's a tremendous tackler. He's not afraid of physicality. He's pretty good to above average ball skills. They're nothing like tremendous, but they're good. Has great closing speed. Um, and he's very good at like reading reading the quarterback. Yep. But he's not he's not going to get you a crap ton of interceptions. But he's going to be a presence on the field at least you know for the most part. Again, I think this is a guy who has the ability to be a starting corner in the NFL year in and year out. May not necessarily evolve into a legit number one corner. I don't think that's very likely. But I think he can be a an every year starting corner. Uh, we do need to throw in. Um... I missed it on J.C. Horn, Asante Samuel, too. Uh, a lot of these guys are opt-outs midway through the year. I know, Ryan, we've discussed that. I don't think Ryan likes it. I don't love it, but it's a reality of the year, I guess, that you just have to accept. Yeah, it's in some cases, it's weird. Like, right, we looked at it. I want to say it was one of the running backs. I think it was Kylan Hill opted yep. out after a couple of games because he wasn't getting targets. He wasn't getting right. touches. But, like, some of these guys, I think, opted out because of injury concern or other concerns. So it's very hard to gauge why they opted out. Those are one of the things that we would have to find out in those player meetings, whether now it's player zooms with teams. Yep. Um, but outside of that, like it's, it's a, it's a question mark for sure. Well, there was okay, also, so- there was a quote from an, an NFL executive I saw this week too. If you put that much stock into that, you're going to be missing out on a lot of good players. Cause a lot of good yeah. players opted out. So like you said, it's different for this year. You have to kind of adapt and you lose your own judgment based on those Zoom calls that you talked about. Okay, so, well, let's talk about this guy. We'll come back because I want to talk about Greg Newsom, who I think is okay. a top corner in this draft. But Kelvin Joseph is my guy with a nugget. He also is a guy, he opted out with two games to play, quote, because his coaches told him to, they had seen a lack of effort and didn't want him around the program anymore. Yikes. Uh, so that's not quite the same there. <laughs> that's yeah. not good. Your borderline got kicked off the team. Um, he came out and said that himself? No, no, no. no. It's just oh, okay. scouts or somebody unearthed that. Um, and Calvin Joseph, uh, kind of a one-year wonder. Um, but also, uh, if you remember, we had this with, I think, one of our wide receivers. There are concerns that he's more focused on his rapping career than his football career. Of course he is. Because he's, he's released six albums as, quote, YKDV boss man fat, if you're interested. What? 
That is such a long name. That is such a mouthful of a name. It's just a bad oh. rapper name. You got to make it quick and to the point. You have like Da Baby or Little Yachty or Drake. Like, come on, shorten that up, bud. But is there a chance that um, super white 40-year-old Andy Hart didn't say it right? Uh, yes. But something different? Still like, very long. Okay. I would have gone with Boss Man Fat. I kind of yeah, like Boss, Boss Man Fat. Boss Man Fat, I can get behind. It's, it, it, makes a, it makes a statement. Those letters at the beginning, I don't care if they even are supposed to be a word. You know how some people use like three as an E or whatever, like yeah. Dead Mao, A-U-5. Like, yeah. I get it. But like, shorten it up, man. Way too long. Yeah. Figure it out. Got to market marketability. Come on. I also think it's, he's Boss Man Fat. He's 5'11", 197, so he's not, he's not that fat. And it's not with a PH. It's got an F in it, so I don't really know. Oh, gosh. Unless his pockets are fat, if that's what he's referencing. Well, not the way he's going. Yeah, not true. Not the way he's going at all. Um, yeah, he is a one-year starter, LSU transfer. Um, bit of a bad story, i be mm -hmm. honest with you. I read things. Like, he runs a 4-3-4. Okay, so he's skilled. I watch him on the field. Yeah, you got some skill. Wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. The rap thing, the transfer thing, coaches kicking him off his team. Suspended like, for the LSU bowl game in 2018. Oh, yes. Go away. Nope. You may be great. You're going to be great for somebody else. Because even if he's great, my guess is he'll be great and then a problem after being great. I think, I think when you're looking at draft prospects, right, you have to have a nice red flag plan. If there's one red flag, do some research. Two red flags, I don't think I'd really touch them. Three or more red flags, I'm out. Don't take him off every draft board. I don't care how talented he is. Three or more red flags, I'm done. And there are plenty of red flags here that I just I'm I can't I can't do it. And he could he could end up being very good. And he could end up being someone like Janoris Jenkins, who had a lot of issues early on in his life and career and those things, and then end up being a solid NFL corner. And I, I hope the best for him. But on my draft board, I see three or more red flags. I am out. No thank you. I'm good. Well, I'm probably less than three. Like, I kind of look at this the way I look at my money and, like, investments and finances. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm comfortable putting my money in my 401K. I got some in a savings account. In my 401K, I'm kind of aggressive now. We'll pull that back a little as I age a little. But, you know, these people that are willing to go all in on NFTs and cryptocurrency and all, like, they may make a boatload of money. It's just it won't be me. It, yeah. Like. I don't know. That's just not my style. And I think I would be similar in drafting. Like I said, the more questions I have and not even just like speed or height or whatever questions, but then you start adding in, well, does he really love football or is he more yeah. about being boss man fat? character questions? And he was suspended at LSU. You know what you got to do to get suspended at places <laughs> like LSU? You got to practically kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, right. Not great. Okay. Wait. So let's get back to Greg Newsom. Cause please two, by the way, that's the other thing. We had some twos in this draft. Not second round picks. The seconds. The second. Uh, I really like Greg Newsom. I think Greg Newsom is a stud in the making. Hmm. And he's probably kind of the opposite of Kelvin Joseph in terms of the, the work ethic, the personality, the fit, mm -hmm. the person. Um, six foot, 190 pounds, four, three, eight, forty. Um, feisty, like aggressive cornerback yep. mentality. I think I read the quote. Short memory and quick fuse. Yes, please. Like, I'm all in on Greg Newsom. I love hmm. him. Uh, Greg Newsom. I actually have a couple questions about Greg Newsom. Yeah. Honestly, I think I think he's I think he's good. Uh, I like the way he plays. For me, the way he tackles is a little concerning. He tries 
he tries to hit too much and not tackle. He doesn't wrap up enough. I think that could be a very big issue at the NFL level. When you're playing against receivers like Devontae Adams and such, that becomes a very big issue. Um, out the damn game. But I love his physicality. Uh, he has tremendous closing speed. Played a lot of zone in college. I think that would be my main question, is that he would fit primarily in a zone defense. And that's okay. Like, there's plenty of corners that fit that mold, like the Captain Munnerlins of the world, who are very good corners in zone systems and yep. just not in man systems. And that's okay. But I just – and he could play man, for all I know. I just didn't see a ton of it. So I think that would just be a question mark I had. And then he also hasn't played a full season in his entire college career. So for me, that's a question. That's a legitimate question. He has been hurt a lot. Mm -hmm. Although, no me, optimistic, he's due to be healthy. Yeah, I think end of the first round, beginning of the second round, seems like a good spot to target Greg Newsom if I was going to value it out. You get him in the second round, you should You're do happy. the Vince McMahon. Swagger around the war yep. room, like, yeah, I just pulled it off, baby. Yes, bitches. agreed. Okay, so I think we've now sort of gone through the top tier of the cornerback position. The yeah, the there's one guy player. though on this list that I think could be awesome if given the right opportunity. Uh, that would be George's Tyson Campbell. I agree a thousand percent. This guy is an athletic freak, he that flies. Former high school state champ sprinter, five-star prospect, unbelievably fast, great change of direction, extremely aggressive in coverage, which I like. The only issue is that aggression didn't result in a lot of interceptions, so I think that's a question that team will have to grapple with. I think ultimately he's just a little raw, right? He's a tremendous athlete with a ton of potential, but there is you're going to need a good defensive coach to help mold that a little bit in order for him to really hit his ceiling. I'm really disappointed to say this. I agree. <laughs> like now, I do, do think it's bad when you start listing all the measurables, the high school, the this, and then you go, wait, he, he didn't really do it at Georgia. Like he was yeah. good, but didn't live up. He was actually Patrick Sertain's uh, high school teammate. They went to high school oh. together. Freaking back! Imagine you're a high school quarterback <laughs> and you look left, and you got that guy, and you look right, and you got like, yeah, no thanks, I'm good. Um, I think he has all the tools to be a star. So yep. if we go back to it, he's probably in the um, high ceiling, low floor category because yep. he might not just be a good cornerback. He might not ever put it together at the NFL level as an elite cornerback. Now, as you said, you get him in, and I think he's actually even dropped a little bit as I bounced around. Um, I agree. Because his teammate ran like a blazing 40. 4 2 5 40. Yeah, Stokes, and it's like now there's even a question whether he'll be the first Georgia cornerback taken or if Stokes goes ahead of him. Um, but I think he he has all the tools. Like, you could – if you take him, he has that Bill Belichick second-round pick. Now, I don't know yes. if he's still in this mindset because he's had so many blown second-round picks, but he's a Belichick second-round pick where if you hit, you hit. because You like hit a home run. Talent. Right. He's first-round talent who yep. hasn't put it all together. But Agreed. I like him. Um, what else you got? Aaron Robinson. What'd you think of the UCF kid? Did you watch him? Uh, yeah, super physical and loves to chirp, which I, as a, as a watcher and enjoyer of football, uh, someone who enjoys football, I love that stuff. I love when you think you're the man and you, you say it to everybody you cover. Um, the issue with him is right. Is he lines primarily up in the slot? He has the measurables to possibly transfer to play outside a lot, 
but the question is there. Like he ha- he just hasn't done it. There isn't there isn't enough reps. There hasn't been enough tape to know if he can successfully play outside, and that extremely limits what you can do in the NFL if you cannot do both. If you are primarily a slot receiver, your value plummets. Yeah, I, I and I don't really understand it in a way because I don't either. Corner is now a starting position essentially. So why do I like? And this, this is also a guy, too, though, that had the size to play outside. So, right. like, why wasn't he playing outside for UCF? Like, well, were they just not doing it? Or was he not willing to do it? Or what? Right. Like, that, I don't – it doesn't make sense to me. But even if we just – if we say he's more of a slot corner, like, we've had discussions, is Julian Edelman a Hall of Fame player? Well, he played in the slot a lot. Not, per, mm-hmm. not only in the slot, but he was – like, you know, you guys, have guys in the slot that are Hall of, Hall of Fame caliber players, well yep. – Maybe I should have a really good corner on the other side of the ball and treat that as a legitimate position. Because yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I mean, he was a slot guy in college. He can't run from that. That is who he is. Exactly. I mean, he just has to find the right team. Mm-hmm. Remember a couple of years ago when the Lions overpaid for Justin Coleman and everybody's like, oh, yes. I think he's the highest paid slot corner in football and the expatriate and the this and the – like, he just has to find a team that says, we need a slot corner. We don't – like, we need it. Well, I look at a team like New Orleans, right? Like, if this was a guy New Orleans took in the second round, it makes sense to me, right? You have uh, Marshawn Lattimore on the outside already, and so you have your number one corner, and it allows this guy to come in and be really good at what he does in the slot and not have to worry about playing outside a ton. And then when you're playing teams like Tampa Bay, a guy like Aaron Robinson comes in and it's like, Scotty Miller, I'm taking you out of the game. Or right. Antonio Brown, I'm taking you out of the game. Guys that are going to be playing from the slot, you're done. I know that I know that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean, like the idea of it. Um, so you brought him up earlier, Malin Fonwu. Um, mm-hmm. He is in that second, third round range. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, Obi we talked about earlier was he's a, better than his brother. That's all yes. I Everybody says he's better than his brother. That his brother was the better athlete, the better, yep. and that's why he was a second round pick. And mm-hmm. that this one, how do you say, if Ifiatu Malifonwu. Yeah, that. Um, that he is like a better football player, um, six, but still, I mean, six two, massive four, five, runs a four four forty. Like he's no slouch athletically in his own right. No, uh, the way I comp him though is that I think if he's gonna be successful in the NFL, it's going to be playing similar to the style of someone like Brandon Browner right? Where he's very physical at the line of scrimmage. He'll be good in a press man system. Like he can just out physical you like, because, because he's so strong, he's fast. He can do those types of things. But at the same time, I don't know if he's going to translate very well to the NFL level. um, At least as an outside corner. Like it's just, I understand that him, his brother does not really bode. If he is similar to his brother, it doesn't bode well for him because his brother was just an athletic freak and that's great. And that's good for you, but that's not going to amount you to much more than a special team or the NFL. Right. And I do think he's another guy that given the build, the athleticism, the limitations could end up in a safety type role. Yes. Agreed. That's the other thing is we say safety, like there's like this, this, this invisible line between corner and safety. A lot of the times where you're the fifth defensive back on the field, what role are you playing? Like Jason McCourty or Joan Williams have had some safety like corner, like crossover. I think he's a guy who could um, who could be in that land? I one, of, one of the things you can do with a guy like Melifonu, just before we get off of it, is if you get him into your system and you be like, "Hey, 
I don't care that you run a sub four five all that much. I want you to bulk up a little bit. You can turn him into something like an Adrian Phillips where he's covering a lot of tight ends. He can kind of play in the box. He can be a good tackler. And and those things have value in today's NFL. Um, We touched on him earlier. I might as well bring him in here. Eric Stokes, Georgia, 14 change, 40. At six foot one, by the way, 194 pounds. So not even like a little speed burner. He Uh, flies. Pretty good size speed burner. Uh, Three-year player for them, had production, a lot of passes defense. I think he had more passes defense than starts. Um, Interceptions. I don't know that he's a finished product as like a cover corner. Like, I don't think he's the guy that's going to, quote, run the route for the receiver. Like, I think he gets by on some of his speeds and speed and athleticism. He's another guy you talked about earlier. He, because of that, I think when they're in the break, he grabs a little bit because it's like, oh, I just give myself a half a second here, which as a rookie corner in the NFL will be laundry all day long. They'll be throwing it. Um, But that speed is hard to overlook. He's pretty athletic and he's worth a flyer. I I don't know where he's going to go. I I would, I wouldn't reach farther than the third round here. Like, right. Like he feels like a third, fourth guy. Um, Cause I think the big thing that noted that I noticed too, is he's not, he doesn't like, he doesn't love the physicality, right? He doesn't love the tackling. He kind of shies away. Sometimes he seems like, like a bonfire watcher or a pile watcher. Yes. Like scouts call it. Um, and I don't know that I love that. Like I like, if I'm going defense, I want a guy who wants to hit like yeah. not a guy that just wants to sit there and, and be fast and try and make plays. I want a guy who can hit. Like I want a guy who can tackle that matters to me. And, and I think that's a big question mark for Stokes. Um, Another guy that I didn't really know much about that I really liked watching on tape, and he's an interesting one-year kind of guy, um, is Ambry Thomas from Michigan. Uh, 5'11", I think, 191. Kick returner, like I said, he didn't play last year, and he was good in 2019. Um, 4'440", so not a speed burner, but he just looked comfortable in coverage. He's got some medical issues. He was actually hospitalized with colitis and lost like 35 pounds, was down to like 150 pounds or something and had an issue, but he came back from that. Um, He just is, is a a pretty smooth cover guy with some pretty good ball skills. Like he gets after it high points. It goes and gets it as a mid round pick. I I wrote like a fourth round pick. He's, he's a guy that intrigues me. And he's a guy noticing what Belichick has done of recently too, having drafted a lot of Michigan players, it seems like recently, uh, this could be a guy he targets late, especially because he plays special teams, right? He's a returner. That means he can also probably be a gunner. Like he can do those things and that has value to Bill Belichick. So this is a guy, if you're a Patriots fan that to keep an eye out in those later rounds. Uh, anybody else you'd like to touch on? Because I'm coming to the home stretch of some of my guys. Uh, yeah, so one of the guys I actually think has a lot of potential, another guy with a huge ceiling but very low floor, a uh, guy from Stanford, Paulson Abate Adebo. Adebo? Yes. Yeah. Uh, great great length, 4-4-40, tackles very well. Uh, he isn't afraid to attack the ball in the air, but it can also be to his detriment a little bit. Um, he had very good production, but again, a guy who battled a lot of injuries, yep. right? And I think that's the big question. That's why he probably falls to where he is because like he has, like those scouts say about Jared Stidham, he has first round potential, but like those injuries just are a huge, huge question mark and have probably scared a lot of teams away. So I think in like the third round, this guy could be an absolute steal. Yeah, I, um, the thing that I really under, underlined was length. He's just seemed really long. He got his hands on a lot of balls, had a lot of interceptions, but also was just 
able to get that fingertip, knock it away, get his hands on yeah. the football. And uh, I don't want to compare him to Richard Sherman just because he went to Stanford, right. but like it's you have like that. It's always going to be there, right? Well, it's natural. We do it all yeah. the time in various positions at various schools because exactly. You know, I didn't call Ambry Thomas Ty Law just for that reason. I didn't want to make that comparison. No, yeah, not then no one's Ty Law. Uh, yeah, that is true. Um, another guy that I didn't know much about, very raw, uh, Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas, converted wide receiver. A um, little bit of a project because he converted at our Central Arkansas, like after his freshman year, two cornerback. Did run a 4-3-9, so certainly can run. Um, a lot of production at a lower level. Three-year starter, but 10 interceptions over three seasons. Almost 40 passes defensed. Um, I think he has the skills, the tools. The length gets his hands on a lot of footballs, even had some drops, even with all the interceptions, had chances for more. So six foot, 195 pounds, athlete, you know, that sort of fourth, fifth round maybe as you're just drafting yep. athletic ability, speed, talent. Uh, Robert Rochelle's a guy that I kind of liked. The other guy that I had, the only other guy I have on my list that we haven't hit on, um, and I, I forgive me if I completely zoned out, we did hit on this, but did we touch on Elijah Molden of um, Washington? We kind of just touched on him about his dad. We never really actually talked about him. Yeah, so his dad was Alex Molden, yep. uh, played for the Saints. Uh, again, this is another guy who, I mean, he's one of the smaller corners in the draft, but, I mean, he has excellent instincts. He's super tough and physical. He's a strong tackler. Um, I think he would probably get – he would have a tough time being a true number one corner, right? Like – he would be a matchup nightmare. It would be a matchup nightmare for him against someone like DeAndre Hopkins. Like, he would get destroyed. Um, yep. So, I don't know if he would necessarily amount to a true number one corner. But this is a guy, again, if you're talking about slot corner is important to your defense, the way it's built, this is a guy that's a really good fit for that uh, or even being a good number two corner. Um, a guy like this, he would be the perfect guy. Like, if you want to cover a, a receiver like Chris Godwin, I I'm sorry for mentioning Buccaneers receivers left and right, but just in that mold, like that kind of player, like this would be the kind of guy you would want. The concern, he, he's a weird guy. Um, doing a little research, he was a high school running back. They converted him yep. um, to corner and he's sort of stocky, sort of short. If I read it right, if I did the, he ran a four, six which is not what you're not looking great. for at the cornerback position. Um, I, I played in the slot nickel kind of guy. Could he be like a Patrick Chung? Could he evolve into that weird role and coverage out of the slot, be in the box? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what he is. I think he's a pretty good foot. He's a very good college football player. And I think he's a good football player. Yeah. I'm just not sure exactly what he is. It's like, well, you had that discussion with a lot of those receivers, right? It's like, how does he fit into our yeah. NFL system? What do I ask him to do? And can he do like, some of it's on him, but some of it's on me to make sure I put that puzzle yes. piece in the right spot. And that is another thing where would I want him on my team? Sure. How did I mm -hmm. get it? Like, did I yes. use a second round pick on him? I don't want to use a second round pick as we get into the third round, maybe. So he's an interesting guy, but yeah, he has the bloodlines. He has the production. It's just the, I even think he could be, like I said, some form of a safety yes. type player mm -hmm. in my scheme. I saw someone before. comp him to Antoine Winfield Jr., who has been one of the more successful young safeties in football. So if that's the case, if that's really your comp for him and you think you can make him into a great NFL safety, go for it yep. by all means. Um, but right. if you, you need to be confident in how he fits into your defense in order to draft him. 
before we okay, before so. give your like Patriots like chances. Like I think it's a great chance the Patriots select a cornerback. Belichick loves cornerbacks. It could be in the first round. It could be in the middle rounds. It could be the end. Like I think the second and third round is a good sweet spot for that pick this year. Agreed. Uh, I don't know what you guys think. So give give me your thoughts on that and potential Patriot name. I love where you're going. This is what I was going to say to wrap things up. So I believe they will draft at least two cornerbacks in this draft. Ooh, Ooh two. Okay. Uh, I believe there will be a high one. And by high, I mean probably first two rounds. Yes. And then probably like a fifth or a sixth, um, hoping to sort of develop. Because I don't know when we'll get into this, but the undrafted rookie class isn't going to really exist this year. Right. So, you don't, I mean, they've been really successful there. They, they've had undrafted ro- from Randall Gay to Malcolm Butler to J.C. Jackson. Like, that's been a sweet – Miles Bryant, man. Uh, Miles Bryant. So, but you're not going to have that opportunity. So, I think they could draft one late. But uh, this is a long way of saying J.C. Horn, I think, is a – there's a, guy, a good chance he could be their first-round pick. Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree with you, right? Like, I think – I fully expect oh, Belichick to go. You guys are agreeing too much in this podcast. So. I know, it's weird. I, I fully yeah. expect Belichick to go defense in the first round, and I think the only guy that makes sense in the first round for him is J.C. Horn. Um, I think Farley has too many injury questions, and Sertan just won't fall to him. Uh, if, if Sertan somehow fell to him, like I think Belichick, that's probably Belichick's number one defensive player on the board, if I had to guess, and that's a complete speculation. But I think J.C. Horn seems like the most realistic. I think in the middle rounds, though, I, I think a guy like – Paulson Adebo uh, or a guy like Tyson Campbell like are him. very or or your guy uh, out of Michigan Ambry what's it Thomas Ambry Thomas yep. yep Ambry Thomas I think those three guys are guys to keep your eyes on in those middle rounds because those are guys that not only can they play defense and have a ton of potential but they also have that opportunity to play special teams which Belichick cherishes so much and I feel like JC Horn would be good for um this is my old PFW, Andy, Patriots Football Weekly what cover. JCs? A lot of play on words. Patriots, JC a lot in new cornerback horn. Or, like, you know. <laughs> or Bill could screw around with them, go into, like, the meeting room, be like, if your name is JC and you're my starting cornerback, stand up. Jackson, sit down. <laughs> so I just think you can have some fun with it. Yeah, but I think he's also – I think you could hit a home run with him if you get him. And I agree. I feel pretty certain that Patrick will not fall to them. All right, we'll be back later. In, what are we doing later in the week? Edge, edge. You said front seven guys. Um, yeah, some form of linebackers, front seven, edge. I'm not exactly sure of the format. Our host will have to lead that discussion very uh, tactfully Definitely. or okay. yeah. But right. uh, yeah, we're gonna stay on defense and look at some of the front seven options because I do think there are some that are interesting and in range in the first couple rounds. All right, sounds good. Uh, we'll be back later in the week with Shine once again. We'll talk to you later. Hi, Bruins fans. Looking for more coverage of your favorite hockey team? Follow the Skate Pod hosted by Scott McLaughlin, Brian DeFelice, and me, Bridget Prue. Get your Bruins coverage from WEI's team of Bruins writers. We're the people who are at the games and talk to the players every week. For analysis of every Bruins game and exclusive interviews with the players, listen to the Skate Pod on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.